Hello, I'd like to welcome everyone to We Go Again podcast. Here we go. We are going again. It's Christmas Smith sitting in Gainsborough this week. And here in West London, it's uh, it's me and my Bournemouthfield. We've uh, got so much to talk about this week, despite it being the end of the season. Who knows where we'll go. <laughs> and here in Bracknell, it's me, James Bartleby. And uh, yeah, as Rob said, a lot to talk about, so uh, let's get on with it. Yeah, I think, I think, we'll, I think we can't not start with even one of my friends who's not into football at all mentioned to me today he said i saw that leeds villa incident it was crazy <laughs> well i think we'll need to, so we're gonna have to start by talking about that and i will let obviously you two have a lot of love for leeds <laughs> oh so yeah i will let one of you two start um I don't know which one of you wants to do it, but I'll let you start because mm. I've got some possibly different thoughts to everybody else. Mm. Yeah, I'll, leave, I'll leave this one for you, James. Uh, this is something. I mean, I only saw what I only saw of highlighted the highlights of it. I didn't see the all in the whole context, so I'll leave it for James to sort this one. Well, I mean, I, I didn't see the game live. I was at work, um, and then it started filtering through on the uh, on the old sports apps and the social media and uh, thinking oh this is something that i'm gonna have to watch this sounds fun um so yeah i mean obviously i'm assuming everyone that's listening knows exactly what happened but for anyone that that doesn't um basically uh villa forward jonathan codger goes in for a challenge in the center circle goes down injured not a head injury um so the referee doesn't stop the game as you know he doesn't have to he only has to stop it if he thinks the player seriously injured or it's a head injury <laughs> Um, so the ball comes out to Tyler Roberts out on the left of midfield and the Villa players have all stopped because they're expecting the ball to be put out of play now, and Tyler Roberts in fairness he kind of looks like he's going to put it out of play because he kind of stops and looks like he's just going to flick it behind him but then changes his mind passes it down the line to Matthias Click uh, who then runs 20 yards down the line cuts inside and curls a brilliant shot in to put Leeds 1-0 up all hell breaks loose. Um, there's scuffles. There's the most shocking bit of play acting you've ever seen to get a player sent off. Uh, it's all going off on the touchline. Um, you know, shock horror. John Terry's getting involved. Uh, and in the end, Leeds, well, 10 of the Leeds players and the coaching staff allow Villa to walk through and score an equaliser. Um, I say 10 because Pontus Janssen didn't really during that he tried to tackle albert adoma as he strode through to score mm. uh, much to the chagrin of all his teammates um but probably all the uh, all the lead fans love him even more than they already do for doing that um now for for me i mean it, it's it, it's put into context because um around about 10 minutes earlier a leeds player went down injured and villa put the ball out so from that point of view leeds probably should have reciprocated just in they, they they didn't have to there's no law that says they have to but in in the spirit of sportsmanship they probably should have returned the favor and um that's where people are getting getting all het up about it now i don't have a problem with leeds playing on because the referee is the one that stops the game if he doesn't stop the game you play on the fact is that tyler roberts did looked like he was you know the whole Leeds team stopped the whole Villa team stopped he did have the body language that said he was going to kick it out of play and then he didn't mm. but 
it's not it's not like he put Matthews Click through with an open goal. I mean, Matthews Click then went past a couple of defenders, curled a brilliant shot in. Um, so Villa had plenty of time to clear the ball to to stop the goal. Yeah. Um, and I think Marcelo Bielsa does come out of this with a lot of credit because he is the one that ordered uh, his team to allow Villa to go down and score. So I think he does come out of this looking looking good as well. There has been a lot of debate saying he only did it because the um, the automatic promotion had already gone because Sheffield United were, I think there were six points clear and uh, quite a few goals ahead with two games to go. So it looked like it wasn't it wasn't going to happen for Leeds. Um, whether if automatic promotion was still a possibility, whether Bielsa would have done the same, we don't know. He's an experienced manager. He's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. I'd like to think that he still would have done it because... You know, don't want to win a game like that, no matter no matter what's at stake in that game. Um, yeah. And at Leeds, I've got a lot of a lot of stick for it, which I'm quite happy with. You know, I'm quite happy for Leeds to get a load of stick. It doesn't bother me. Um, but in my eyes, the only thing they did wrong was when it looked like they didn't put the they were going to put the ball out. They then didn't. Um, and the fact that Villa had already put the ball out earlier in the game to me says they should have returned the favour. Um, the one player who should get hammered for here is Patrick Bamford for the way he went down after being breathed on. It was, mm-hmm. it goes down. It was absolutely shocking. I th- I'm not sure if it's been confirmed yet. I haven't kept up to date with it today. Um, but for successfully deceiving a referee, it's a two game ban. So that, that is presumably will be what he gets. Um, there's uh, now they've got one regular league game to go and one playoff game that he'll miss the first leg of the mm-hmm. semi-final. Um, and to be fair, a lot of me as well thinks that Bielsa possibly had a potential playoff final against Villa in mind when he also allowed them to run through because you don't want that as the backdrop to such a huge game because that could get out of hand really, really quickly in what is already a massively emotionally charged uh, atmosphere. Um, so I think they should have put it out of play, but I think everyone... I mean, I'm a you know, you all guys all know I'm a Huddersfield fan. So I mean, any excuse to to bash Leeds, I'll take it happily. But I, the only thing that they come out of it with any sort of black mark is the fact that they looked like they were going to put the ball out of play and then didn't, and then the Patrick Bamford thing. Other than that, you play to the whistle. Villa still have plenty of time to stop the goal. Mm-hmm. I think they. I mean, if you look at it, Villa were clearly making the assumption that. That was what would happen, was that they, you know, ball would go out of play and, you know, everything would be reset with a pass back to, um, you know, to whichever, you know, keeper of whichever team, you know, had the ball at the time the three stopped it. Um, and I, I suppose in many respects, that's the danger that you get when you do make that kind of assumption, the fact that, you know, sometimes... You're making the assumption because of everything else has happened, but yeah, it's not really, you know, it's going to kill you sometimes. It's really made, um, you know, it, it really made things get really nasty because of the fact that Villa chose to make that assumption. You know, so there's a little bit of something in there from them, base of, you know, you can't assume that the referee will do anything. You've just got to carry on until he, you know, until you rightly say, James. Um, just you know, makes a decision one way and the other, and um, you know that's the problem. Um, they didn't, and now we've got all this great big fuss carrying on 
when if they just carried on chasing leads and you know kicking the ball out of themselves after winning it, you know, not there'd be even less of a problem than what there is now. And you know, it's it's messy. I mean, then that's not supposed to be a joke about anything. It's just a complete muck up of what you know what the game is today. People are willing to make assumptions because this has always happened, but a lot of the time you've just got to play on. I, I do, sorry, Robert, I do think mm. possibly once the referee realised what had happened, could he maybe not have blown his whistle and stopped play as soon as he realised that they weren't kicking the ball out and just, you know, because mm-hmm. he, he must have known that if Leeds go on and score, it's going to kick off. So, could you know, he could have blown the whistle then because the player's still down injured. So, I, you know, I know it all happened really quickly and, you know, by the letter of the law, the referee is right not to have blown his whistle, but especially with it with it happening the other way around a few minutes before, I just mm. wonder if he maybe could have... Because he could justify it and say, you know, I, I thought the guy was really badly hurt, he didn't get up. So, you know, I stopped the play. And no one would have questioned it. And the, mm. none of this would have ever happened. Um, no. But I'm not putting any blame on the referee because obviously he hasn't done anything wrong. But, I, mm. you know, I just, I just wonder if if he's looked back on that and thought, yeah, maybe I should have just blown the whistle once I realised that Leeds mm. were going on the attack. But, yeah, um, it, it, was un, it was an unsavoury incident. It's quite funny, though. I have to admit, it's focused a lot of attention on um, that championship player fight because it's, it's easily possible that that, as you quite rightly said, could be a playoff semi-final game again, Leeds mm. versus Villa, very easily. Um and um, if I think, but I think you're right. If you know it does come to a playoff final, and Bielsa hadn't done what he did, the atmosphere would have been pretty toxic out there. You know, it would have been pretty nasty. And given it's the you know one of the not quite the showcase game in the division for the season, but you know on that second step of the podium, it's yeah it wouldn't have settled well with a lot of people and in the end what we've got is something that's about as bad and you know so it's a case of in some respects nobody wins in many ways you know but also you know yeah he i think he saw what was going on but you know i hope a lot of people realize now that you cannot make assumptions about referees decisions you'll play until you are told to stop you know if somebody kicks the ball out then you stop if the ball doesn't go out of play, you keep going till it does. You know, whether it looks bad or not, there's a player down on the floor. You know, that's you know, in many ways irrelevant. If it had been because of a, a really nasty challenge by a Villa player, there would have been no issue. But I think there was quite a few of them realised that, you know, the one injured was the one who was trying to, you know, com- well, not commit the foul, but basically throwing himself about trying to you know force the issue and i think a lot of the players realize the fact there was nothing really going on but because the rest of the players didn't you know couldn't know that this is what's happened and um you know i think it needs to be reiterated you know in future don't make those assumptions and just play until you're told to stop well i think that's the thing for me Mm. i've I get bored watching players fall on the floor and stay down, expecting mm. the game to stop for so long. 
Yeah. 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 I'm used to if you if you're watching something like ice hockey, mm. if a player goes down injured, if they're not seriously injured, the team who he plays for has to be in control of the puck before they stop. Mm. And that's the same thing that should needs to start happening a little bit more is the team has to try and do something to actually win the ball back because there's too often you see you see it, and i've been talking with my daughter when we've been watching games and you see a challenge it looks fairly innocuous the guy goes down because he's out of position and waits mm. for the ball's knocked out he does this little stretch or whatever they seem to do nowadays because they never seem to want to bring the trainer on and then he gets up and gingerly pretends and uh, jogs back to where he should be in position and carry and the game carries on and it makes the game disjointed mm-hmm. and all i saw there yes it's it seemed like he did shape to do it but by the same token villa should have not expected it and i don't care whether Leeds Villa put the ball out for Leeds or not not at all. It's not anything against Leeds. It's against the culture that there is now that as soon as a player goes down, the ball goes out of play. When they go down for a lot of challenges where they've not been touched. Mm. And you're right about the red card. The red card surprised me because there was not enough um there's not there wasn't enough punishment meted out to either team by the referee at the end because there were people grabbing people by the scruff of the neck and you can't do that no matter how how you are incensed by it and the villa the villa bench should have been some of some of them should have been sent to the stands but the Mm. referee could have stopped this and could still have even after the goal had gone in he could have turned around and said i'm ruling out that goal for unsportsmanlike conduct back here it's going to be a free kick it's going to be a drop ball he doesn't have to award the goal, but he saw no problem with it. And then, mm. to me, it makes a mockery of Villa then being allowed to go and score a goal. It makes a mockery of the game as a contest mm. if you're going to suddenly turn around and do that. And I, I made a joke earlier on today when I was talking to my friend about this that it was a win bonus. It was a clean sheet bonus. Defenders get clean sheet bonuses. And maybe he didn't want to lose his 500 quid. Mm. Well, that's one way of looking at it anyway, Christian. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, you know, you know just... the balanced view mm. I always have of people. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, here we are still talking about it, you know, and we're not, we're not going to agree, you know, any one of us about what's happened. So it's just, yeah. Mm. But it goes into the next thing we're going to talk about which is Fort William where they've endured the second winless season more importantly they actually finished on negative points (laughs) at the bottom Mm. Highland does somebody feel sorry for them and say well they need to be allowed to win no because the game's a competitive game and Mm. It's what we need, but it must be pretty galling playing for a club for two seasons and you're not being able to get a win, but also finishing on minus seven points. Yeah, it's, um, 
I do have a great deal of sympathy for them, but I, you know, I'm surprised if there's just a little something in there that says we don't want your sympathy. <laughs> you know, it's a case of credit to the club for still putting out a team every week, even though as both seasons went on, they would have known the fact that you know it's getting harder, you know, less likely to win. You know, they're getting you know pretty much hammered every week. Yeah, and you just think, you know, when it's been since, um, you know, the last time they won a match was um, 2017 in April. It's been two whole years since Fort William were able to say, you know, we've won. And, you know, if, if it wasn't even more of a kick in the teeth, you know, they had nine points deducted for an, an, an ineligible player. So you put your squad out, and you, then you find out afterwards that so-and-so shouldn't have been playing. And the league kicks you for that. Um, but, I mean, in, 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 in leagues in this country, if you play an ineligible player, you lose the points that you gained while playing that player. Well, it was a bit, it would be a bit difficult for Fort Williams to have actually been deducted players because they didn't win any points because they didn't win anything. <laughs> so under English FA rules, they wouldn't have lost anything. Whereas under the Highland League rules, um, they were deducted nine points. This is one thing that struck me is if it had been England in one of the, say like in one of the county leagues, yeah, they would have got the two points for the draw. If the ineligible player wasn't picked for any of those games, they would have kept the two points. But in the Highland League, you get hammered and get a massive points deduction. So, you know, I, I do have a small sympathy, but you know, the players and staff still wanted to carry on in the Highland League, despite despite everything. And I've got to give them some credit for that. They, they've, they've not given up. They still want to keep playing. I suspect during the summer they'll have a long discussion between the supporters, the, um, the board, the players. Do you want another season in the Highland League? We'll have to see what happens come September. I, I think they I think they'll carry on because there's a, they're getting a lot of attention now. There's a lot of you know they're getting a lot of notoriety and mm. and a lot of publicity and a lot of attention. And I think you know you you would carry that on. I mean I've got the I've got the league table in front of me here and um, yeah, uh, 34 games played, two draws and 32 defeats, 21 goals scored and 245 conceded uh, mm. in 34 games. I mean that is impressive. Uh, that is what's that an average of seven a game just over seven a game yeah, yeah um, absolutely brilliant <laughs> um it, it's a team that i actually think i could get a game for and i'm 40 <laughs> um but it, it, i'm photos of the play it looks it looks such a beautiful part of the world um i'd love to play there um mm. but they yeah they they turn out like you say robbie they they get a team out without any problem every week um and they must still be loving it i mean they're they're playing against some decent teams that tend to go quite well in the uh, in the Scottish Cups, uh, like you know famous old names like uh, Cove Rangers who've won the league, uh, Brora, Inverurie Locos that we we, we mm. tend to see, Bucky Thistle. These are all teams that we tend to see coming up against some of the SPL clubs um, in the you know in the whatever round they they come into it. Mm. Um, these you know these these are famous names that we we do see popping up in the Scottish Cup and stuff. So you know. If you, if you can put a team out and you're you're not running at 
a ridiculous loss, then I don't I don't see any reason why they why they wouldn't uh, carry on. Um, but yeah, I mean, how can you field an ineligible player three times? And um, mm. they did, they deducted them as you said nine points for it. It was a bit harsh because I was that because you know in in England you you get deducted mm. the points that you that you win with the exactly with that, as I said yeah yeah which you know yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah that's um that is a strange one but um mm. I mean if if you think about it it's piling injustice upon the injury as well you yeah. know, it's a, it is I suppose yeah. but then mm. I I guess you do you do have to because what would be the case in in England if if you had a team like that 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 didn't have any wins or lost all three games that and you know mm. I, I don't know what it would be would it be a points deduction if the team had lost all three games that the ineligible player had played in or would no. it just be a fine or it would probably just be a fine because there'll be no point no points to no points deduct yeah. because i mean the example i can call on from this season is concord rangers are three points deducted for playing an ineligible player um, when they beat another team from the conference south by four goals to nil, right. they lost that. They lost the three points, and I think there was a fine involved as well. Yeah, they, like I said, if that had been the same rules, you know, for the Highland League, what you know, and their disciplinary procedure, I thought William probably wouldn't have lost anything, but they would still have been fined. So this is this is what I'm saying. It's there's, a, I mean, they can probably feel themselves hard done by. They would know the rules, of course, the fact that this would happen, but. You know, when it just basically hammers you and makes your life even harder, you know, you, you sometimes might think, well, what's the point? But, you know, credit to them, as we've said, you know, they still keep going out, they still keep giving it what they can. And, you know, things will turn around. It's bound to do. You know, things will get better for them eventually. Well, that's, that's the it, thing, isn't it? Because, yeah. like I say, it's a beautiful part of the world and they're getting yeah. notoriety. So there, there might be players from some of these teams that are just above them in the league. I mean, I don't know anything about the geography of, of Scotland, to be fair. Um, I don't know if any of these teams are... I mean, it's the Highland Football no. League, so I'm assuming they're all reasonably no. close. Not um, really. No. Oh, really? Rora Rangers are near my mother, uh, and that's supposed um, to be an hour and a half, two hours away from... I mean, Lossy Mouth in the, uh, on that northern coast, not far from Inverness. Strathspey Thistle, probably in a similar, and Keith similar as well, whereas Fort Williams on the, on, on the western coast. You know, so it's a case of there isn't really too many teams within easy travelling distance of Fort William. That's the thing. So I think is it was it Fort William as well where the um they had some footballs returned to them from Norway because they'd been kicked out of the stadium mm. into the sea and it ended up in Norway. So they got it's possible. They, they got shipped back. I think that was I think that was Fort William as well. Mm. Um but yeah, I mean it it's a strange it's a strange old situation. But you know, if that is the blanket rule in the Highland League then all clubs go into it knowing that, don't they? So, um, you know, it's it, it's a shame. But um, you mentioned Concord Rangers there, and I don't think it's on the on the agenda for tonight. But um, the link to uh, the Cowley brothers just got to praise them and give them credit for what they've done with Lincoln City going up again as well. Um, obviously, we're familiar with the Cowleys, Rob from from we Concord. Um, seen them, seen their Concord team quite a few times against Hampton. Um, yeah, what a job they've done. Um, Exactly, but you know, and you're talking about a, um, a non-league mess. I mean, have you seen the playoff thing? <laughs> I mean, I don't even I don't even want to go down that road. But the the fact yeah. that even if you win the playoffs, you might not get promoted. Mm. Just no, I just 
whoever came up with that just <laughs> that should have well, if that was the best idea they came up with i'd love to see the ones that they threw out you Look, see, part, uh, of, part, part of the problem is, about yeah, that. yeah, we do. So I'm just going to be very brief on this. Part of the reason is they want to basically standardise the pyramid. So you've got yeah, the yeah. national league. It's a restructure, isn't it? It's, it's a restructuring. And there's no real way, at least not one that I've seen that makes sense, that could uh, make it so the correct number of teams over the course of two seasons would end up being in the right league. So, you know, same number of clubs in the first tier, second tier, third tier, and so on. And, you know, yes, this isn't the best way of doing it, but, you know, um, the only gripe I've got is you've got a lot of clubs now complaining and a lot of social media keyboard warriors whinging. But my point was, this was announced at the start of the season. Where was all the pub? Where was all the outcry then? Where was all the shouting, this is unfair, this is, you know, completely wrong and so on? It isn't until a club gets actually affected by it that you start to hear all the noise. And that's why I don't have too much sympathy. There was a lot of opportunity for people to make noise at the start of the season. But only when it comes home to them, or when they're the club that's going to lose out because their points per game is worse than anybody else, then, you know, I'm sorry. You've had your chance to complain, you know, eight months ago. You chose not to do it because you didn't think it was going to be you. You know, that's my point. So it's a case of, I'm sorry, guys, if you're the clubs that are going to be affected. But you've had, you know, three quarters of the year to complain about it and try and, you know, negotiate an alternative you chose not to that's not my problem <laughs> oh yeah yeah i completely agree with that it's just yeah it, it, it's the same I, I know we're going off on a tangent here but it's the same <laughs> with the um the whole dressing room thing as well i don't know if mm. anybody's fallen victim to that but uh, do you know about that one Kristen? uh no uh, i think it's ground grading isn't it it's, it's a ground grading thing so God, yeah, not again if if your dressing room doesn't match up it doesn't measure up to a certain size you're going to get relegated. It's like so you're, you're expecting people to you're expecting clubs to change the, the structure of their ground and extend mm. a dressing room in eight months because they only announced it at the beginning of the season, I think. Mm. And I think there the is, end of March was the deadline for it. Yeah, there is that, but you know, a lot of these rules are, have been in place for quite a while. I mean, the biggest argument, the biggest thing that I've seen again comes back to Concord Rangers, believe it or not, in the fact that they've not been allowed to take part in the National League South playoffs because they haven't got enough seats within the confines of the ground. Now, this is an issue that's been going through step it, two well, and step three so, for years. So they haven't got enough seats for it if they got promoted? Yeah, exactly. For the next level up? For the next level up, you see, they've got to have a minimum of 500 seats, and they haven't. And so the league says, well, you've had all season to solve yeah. this out. This is, that, you know, this is that old thing, isn't it, where every, thing, every, every, every tier below that, you can go up and then you have till March yeah. in that league to get it up for that league but to go up into the national league you have to have it done beforehand don't you? you have to have it you have to have it yeah yeah it has to be there ready to Every go tier below that you get you get the eight exactly rest, but then again with, if you think well. of, if you think of the clubs in the national league and given the crowds that you're going to get you know there's some clubs in there there's some clubs in there that will easily you know oh yeah yeah but you know pretty much pack out a ground like concord so i mean for safety's sake it's understandable i mean i've been to concord many times and to be honest it's not a ground that's, that would be fit for the National League. Hell, it's only barely fit enough for the National League South. I've so, been, you know... Been Island. I've not been to Concord, but... Yeah, um, you, you, you haven't missed anything, James, believe me. You haven't <laughs> missed anything. But no, it's just a case of... you know, I mean, there's a lot of people complaining about this restriction that this puts on Concord, but, you know... You know but again, they knew the rules, didn't they? The, 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 the rules have been in place. I mean, two seasons ago, there was Hungerford Town, Wheelstone, 
fall foul to the same thing. Yeah. Just the fact that, you know, I mean, Hungerford Town, fair enough, they're a small club, they wouldn't have expected to be in the, you know, in the top six to go for the playoffs. Wheelstone, I've got even, I've got less sympathy for because, you know, they are a bigger club with greater resources and greater possibilities. But everybody's complaining about the fact that they, you know, they've been refused access to the playoffs on so as if it's sort of like a last minute thing. No, this rule has been in place from the, you know, from, from the step two clubs for years. And yet a lot of clubs choose to not take that choice of, you know, spending a couple of years putting it into the infrastructure, getting the seats in place. So if it ever came to it, they wouldn't have a problem with, the, you know, with grading and they could go up. I don't have any sympathy for clubs that don't plan ahead. A lot of people say, well, you know, what's the incentive to do so? We've seen it, you know, in other clubs in the, in the National League North as well. It's just, you know, it just shows that if you know the rules, but you choose not to um, act upon them and make, you know, ground suitable for promotion, you know, well, you know, this is how you're going to get punished. Yeah, so, you know. Going back to you saying about some of the clubs in the in the National League and the and the away support will take. I mean, just look at Stockport County. They took yep. three and a half thousand down to Nuneaton at the week. Uh, yeah, the weekend to to see their yep. team win the league and go up. So I mean that's that's a massive club um, that are finally on their way back up. They're going to be in the National League. That's you know it's a that's going to be another big big club to um, to jump into that league. So yeah, I can understand why they have it. It, it it does strike me as a little bit weird that the that they do have different um, different rules, I guess, for the national league as they do for every league down. But you know, it is the top flight of non-league football, and your ground should be up to scratch before you get into it. I mean, we we had it what was it thirty years ago? Was was it Kidderminster? I think won the um, what was the GM Vauxhall Conference at the time? I think they won it a couple of years running and were denied promotion mm. because of the ground. You know, it's mm. it's it's not a new thing. No. Um, you know, so yeah, I think um, you know, I, I I can understand clubs' frustrations because they they overachieve. So you know, you can understand to a certain degree some of the clubs, some of the clubs that get involved not planning for it because they don't expect it, and then they overachieve, and then it can be seen as them being punished for overachievement. Um, so that mm-hmm. bit I kind of understand, but yeah, I'd. When it when it comes to them, they're almost pleading ignorance. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Rob. Because you know the, the rules the rules are pretty clear. Mm. I mean, it's I mean I mean it, it, Concord would have been aware of what happened two years ago with Willstone and Hungerford Town. They would have been aware of exactly the same situation. And yet, Is that as what a club, Hampton to get to the playoffs. That was pretty much exactly the yeah. same reasoning. Yeah, but the thing is different now with the National League North and South is the convoluted playoffs they now have, where six teams are now eligible. We've yeah, had, we had this the, discussion. Same with the National League. We've got the quarterfinal going on now as we mm, speak. Mm, yeah. So, you know, it's just a case of, you know, if, if it's still been the same old form of just four clubs going into the playoffs, you know, I'm not even sure, I don't know if Concord would have even been involved in it, but that would have allowed the team in sixth to go up. Because the National League rules, and I have read the rules, believe it or not, actually say that no club lower than seventh can be admitted into the playoffs. So that's why there was sort of like one semi-final game and everything else pretty much now goes to the semi-final. You know, you know, one quarter-final, one semi, you know, to the semi-final round. You know, and it's a case of it's just made a mess of things. Um, so for once, I don't think the league did anything wrong with this one, but I think Concord need to look at themselves and decide, 
if you know do they have ambitions to get promoted if they do get the ground sorted you may never need it but if you do you're ready yeah i think i think that's the thing so i'm <clears throat> you and i were talking off air rob mm-hmm. about the fact it's nearly the summer now we're running out of football and we talk about what the nation's league yeah, I mean real football. I'm not <laughs> America as well. We've actually got a World Cup. Yeah, is it the Women's World Cup? It is the Women's World Cup. and In this country, I think. Is it in this? No, I don't think it is. I thought, sure that, I thought there was a tournament. Oh, yes, it's in France. Yes, yes. I think, I'm sure that we've got a tournament this summer, but I can't think now. Anyway, <coughs> never mind. But <laughs> it could be quite exciting because in the She Believes Cup this year... Mm. England actually did very well. Yeah. Mm. And so Phil Neville could be leading uh, the Lionesses to World Cup glory. So if they make the semis or the final or, or win it, if you think this is a good time for English football with the young uh, squad that Gareth Southgate's got and the way that they're playing, this could be 2019 could be a good year and we look mm. we don't we don't want to look at the actual results for the english teams uh, in europe this week from mm. any perspective because uh, arsenal are the only ones who are winning um but having so many english teams in the upper echelons of all the european competitions as well mm. it's only going well for it's it seems that is this uh, is it finally i know we say this lots but is it finally the time when we could have a win at one of these tournaments. I I think so, um, because, as you said, you, the, the Lionesses won the She Believes Cup. Um, they're definitely among the favourites to win the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had the the um, the age group teams uh, in the in the men's or the male side of the sport, uh, the under-17s, mm-hmm. the under-19s, under-20s, 21s, all doing brilliantly, yeah. getting mm-hmm. to finals, winning World Cups, things like that. Um, you know, we got we've spoken about it before. I think haven't we? we've got the likes of Phil Ford and Jaden Sancho coming through. Unfortunately, the uh, the injury to Callum Hudson Odoi is is a is a massive shame. And a, and to say losing losing an eighteen year old is a massive loss to England is saying something. You know, it shows how far we've come because he is a massive loss to England for the summer for the Nations League um, because mm. he would have been involved. He might not have started. He, he probably wouldn't have started. But as an impact sub in those couple of games, you know, it would have been fantastic experience for him, um, and he would have he would have done, you know, he would have contributed. Um, but yeah, to to see it all coming down, it all comes down to St George's Park, doesn't it? it back when um, when we got humiliated by Germany, um, that was when they decided to strip it all back, wasn't it? Back in two thousand and six, um, they accelerated what had this St George's Park in in Burton where it had stagnated it had kind of ground to a halt the whole project hadn't it and that humiliation to Germany um, turned out to be the turning point for England and we're now yeah. what 11 12 years later starting to reap the reap the rewards of that not only on the playing side but the coaching side as well with the likes of Gareth Southgate who's not scared to give the young kids a try because he knows them because he's come up from St George's Park mm. through the under 21s into the senior team um so he knows what's coming up and even if they're not playing for their club he knows what they can do for england so he's not scared to call up a callum hudson adoy and give him an international start before he's had a premier league start which some people found shocking but that happens mm. that happens in other countries i mean yeah 
you've, you've got to, he knows these players. If we had any other manager in place, these players wouldn't be getting starts or wouldn't be getting called up because mm-hmm. the manager wouldn't know anything about them. But because he used to manage the under-21s and he's massively involved, he cares. He cares oh, yeah. about the whole England setup, not just the national team. He cares about the women's game. He cares about the under-16s and the under-17s. Mm-hmm. He's involved in all of it. And that's what it should be at international level. You don't yeah. do anything. You don't coach players full-time. You go and watch games when they're being played. Other than that, mm. you should be based either at FA headquarters, talking to club managers, players, things like that, or you should be at St. George's Park watching the the um, the training that's going on there during the week because, you know, clubs send their kids there. Uh, there will be mm-hmm. schoolboy teams and yep. things like that playing there. There'll be underage, t- well, underage is a bit of a, uh, a strange uh, age group i think we'll say there'll be age group tournaments going on down there um mm. and and that's what he's doing and he's also going away and he's watching american sports to see how they coach and things like and he's taking a lot of stuff away from that i mean the whole media day thing before the world cup was absolutely brilliant getting all of them down um all the players and himself in a room at a desk each and then the media could just all come in and go around and talk to the play, you know, queue up for the people that they wanted to talk to. And it was mm. absolutely brilliant. The players loved it. Every single one of the squad was there and involved. Um, and it was absolutely brilliant. And it's, it's all things like this that he's learned from going and watching yeah. other sports and how they do things. He's learned stuff, you know, about how to deal, you know, the tactics on the touchline and things like that from, you know, the way they do it in, like, rugby league or baseball, the way that they, you know, they have all the player books set out and things like that and how they give the instructions mm-hmm. to the player coming on. How often do you see it where a player's coming on and they've been given no instructions? They, the manager's not talking to them. It's just a case of, right, you on, you off. And, you know, the player's like, and you want me to do what while I'm on the pitch? Do you, you know, it's, mm-hmm. and all right, we know that these guys are adults. They know how to play football, but... Your man, you know Gareth Southgate. When he makes a substitution, his player knows exactly where Gareth wants him to be on the pitch, in all phases of play. He knows exactly what his job is, and he goes out there and he does it. Doesn't mean we win every game, of course it doesn't, no. but it means we're a co- we're cohesive. We have a plan. We know what's happening. He's he's playing players that maybe aren't quite as good at the minute because. Maybe there's, he knows there's a young player coming through that can take that role in the future. Um, but he's got the system in place and he's just waiting for the players. And it's, it's brilliant. And I, I hope he's in charge for years and years to come because he's a breath of fresh air. I love listening to him talk. I love listening to his squad when they're, when they're doing the interviews. It's made, me, it's, it's, it's made me fall in love again with the England national team. And I actually look forward to watching them play now. I mean, it just shows that for many years we thought we, you know, the way we did things in England was, you know, was what's the one of one of the ways was the way to do it. But we were not receptive in any way to, you know, any kind of new concepts, new ideas. Yeah, we were arrogant, you know, weren't we? Yeah. We were to some extent, and you know, it's t- it took that, that, you know, that proper humiliation. So, you know, 10, 12 years ago to Germany that really, you know, forced a lot of people to actually look at the way they were thinking and realise that, hold on, 
you know, this has happened to us. We shouldn't, it shouldn't have happened. It, you know, we brought it on ourselves. And, I mean, look at the way that now St. George's Park is basically almost like a venue for the whole of football in this country. As you said, the age group score there. I mean, even club level, you know, there the, mean, there's club level uh, age group teams going there to play in tournaments, as you mm. rightly said, you know, James. The, I mean, there's teams from all over the southeast qualifying for these tournaments at St. George's Park. And they're loving every second of it. The fact they're playing on the same pitches that the guys still play in the Nations League will play. Same training areas, same equipment. Well, nearly same equipment, but you know, but you, you get you get the gist of what I'm saying. Yeah. Whereas before, there was never that connection. There is that connection now. You know, the players, you know, from a, say for an under eleven team playing in a tournament at St George's Park. You know, think of what it gives to them. We're at home of, you know, the home of England of, of the England national side. We're playing a match there. There's that connection and respect again. And it's just little things like that that's made the difference. So it's a case of, you know, for just little things that have been done. And Garrett, you know, you've got to admit Garrett Southgate has been the architect of them. Is um, it's reaping dividends, and you know where it might end up is anybody's guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my last two points on it are it says a lot when I mean we've mentioned it before with. Um, uh, with Jaden and Callum Hudson Odoi, Germany are looking at how we're doing things now. This is one of the most successful national teams of all time, and looking at how England are doing things now, um, they're ta- they're they're desperately trying to take away all our quality youngsters. Um, mm. You know, we talked about in one of our first episodes about Callum Hudson Odoi, Bayern Munich were in for him, and we're willing to pay their second highest ever fee for a player. For a guy who'd never started for Chelsea, mm. they were desperate to get him. They were that desperate to get him because they see him as the key to their future. Um, obviously, we've got Jaden Sancho absolutely tearing it up every week at Dortmund. Uh, you've got Phil Foden, who I know for a fact is wanted by a lot of clubs. He won't move. He's getting game time at City now, and he's you know he's he's in that team at Man City, and you wouldn't know that he was 18. He's a phenomenal talent. Um, so it, it's absolutely fantastic. There are other young English players out in Germany at the minute as well. Reese Oxford being one of them. At, I think it's at Gladbach. Um, there are one or two others out there as well. And it, it's absolutely brilliant. And to to have a nation like Germany with the history and tradition that they have and the amount of times they've absolutely embarrassed us, for them to now be coming over and learning from us says a lot. And that is, in the last decade, that is an awfully quick turnaround in international football terms and my other point a bit of a sliding doors moment what if frank lampard's goal had been allowed in that 4-1 defeat because that would have made it 2-2 it should have been allowed because it went it nearly hit the back of the net it was that far over the line but can yeah. you imagine if that had gone if that had been allowed and we'd gone on somehow to win the game be it on penalties or in extra time or in normal time we wouldn't have we wouldn't see st george's park it wouldn't be there because they would have thought oh, we've knocked Germany out, everything's still fine, everything's all right. We came back from 2-0 down against Germany and put them out. And we would be in the doldrums still now. Um, so that 4-1 defeat is a huge, huge turning point in the history of English football. And it's, you know, as I say, 10 years later, look where we are now. No, it certainly has 
certainly has made a difference uh, and like you say it really has changed the way uh, everything's everything's working now um just to go back to the the point with the women's world cup england are in the first game uh, is going to be <coughs> just scroll past it now uh, england's first game is going to be on sunday the 9th of june at five o'clock uk time it's against the old enemy so England have got Scotland as their first game. Oh, in... that's going to be good. It is, because Scotland have been playing pretty well um, recently as well. But the other thing is the next game England have, which doesn't have the same rivalry in the women's game, but in oh, the men's Argentina. game, it's Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> and then they've got one of the world's best countries in Japan. So... It's really going to be it's going to be fun, and like you say, it's testament to how everything's working and how everything's suddenly clicking. And we've we used to on the non-league podcast, especially, used to have a dig at the FA about quite a few things. But this is one thing, like you say, because of that disallowed goal, that one thing that seems to have gone right for him and the investment was done at the right time and now we're trying to, starting to see the fruition if we could filter this through to our actual teams in the premier league and even championship to get more english players back in there it would be better but it is starting to happen but yeah i know what you're saying it's the short-termism of the owners they need something now done and dusted um yeah so i mean if i if i was i mean you look at look at chelsea i mean they've got tammy abraham out on loan um they've got ethan ampadu who's a fantastic young uh welsh center back um if i was a club like that i do you know i i think i would put out a statement saying right we're gonna i mean they might not have a choice because of the transfer ban um which i think is going to be the best thing ever to happen to chelsea because they've got some quality kids out on loan everywhere. And I would be tempted to say, right, we're going to focus on bringing through our young talent because it's world class. Um, and I, I would be, I mean, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Callum Hudson-Odoi, they, they should be their new Terry and Lampard, they sh- and Ethan Ampadu as well. They should be going on and playing for Chelsea for the next 15 years and being absolute legends for club and country. Um but like I say, it's, it's all too short-termist in the Premier League. Uh, these, you know, these players need that chance. Tammy Abraham, as well as I mentioned, is a brilliant young striker who I think can do a job for Chelsea if he if he gets a run in the team. Certainly better than than the strikers they've had ahead of him. Um, so yeah, they they do need to filter it down. They do need to start trusting in their youth. These kids are beating their peers at age group level. So. As they get older, they, it stands to reason that they can hold their own against their peers at senior level. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to the Women's World Cup, actually. I assume it's on terrestrial TV, because World Cups always are, aren't they? They have to be. Um, I assume it's on ITV and BBC. Yeah, I think it's going to be on the BBC. My, I'm hoping they're going to cover every game on the red button. I'm hoping. Um, but unfortunately, they've not got a lot of actual information about <laughs> no i mean i don't they might not have they, i don't know if they will have um sorted out the um the broadcasting rights yet maybe maybe they haven't you know between because like with the men's you have bbc and itv dice so maybe they haven't 
sorted out who's showing what game yet. I don't know. Maybe it's all on one channel, possibly. I don't know. Um, but I'm sure it'll be watchable for everyone, and I would urge everyone to watch it because I think it'd be brilliant. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Um, it's a World it has Cup. Been... <laughs> you know, it's what's a, not good? Always, always good. <laughs> It has been good talking. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up there because Rob's unfortunately going to have to disappear off as his wife's not very well. Uh, so <clears throat> I think it's uh, time to wrap it up a bit. Um, whereabouts can we find you on the internet, James? Uh, yeah, it's been great as always. Um, yeah, I hope, uh, hope the missus is well, Rob, and always great to talk. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at GamerJamesFM. Everything that I uh, tend to rant on about or whinge about or my youtube stuff goes on there so yeah join me on that um there's a picture of our new puppy on there at the minute because <laughs> we picked up our new puppy last night so yeah if you want to see a little dog then <laughs> follow me on twitter and you can always follow the show on facebook and uh, we go again podcast you can also go to the website which is just going to be a feed of all the episodes it's not a full website but it's uh, allows you to subscribe on itunes and spotify and that's found at www.wegoagainpodcast.com and i look forward to uh, speaking to you again next week james yeah me too <laughs> <laughs>